Hey friends, I have been planning for this podcast episode for about two hours at this point. Um, I'm literally not kidding. I posted on the Instagram story for the podcast that I had been planning for one hour, but I honestly think that it's closer to two. Like, I'm not even kidding. I think it's closer to two um, because I had already started planning before I even posted the initial Instagram story um, and it had said one hour, but I know I've been planning kind of throughout the day today. So just know that when I post a podcast episode, I work pretty hard in terms of planning to make sure that I am as qualified as possible um, to chat with you guys because I take you guys seriously. I take this opportunity to be able to post myself talking for it feels like hours on end um, very seriously because I love you guys and I want to steward this opportunity um, as best as I can. But hi, I've missed you guys. Um, I honestly like am so 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 ready to have this conversation with you guys because i feel like i've talked about social media like kind of skirted around it like i've talked about it in my first episode obviously the name of this podcast is influence ish which is like a play on words of like influencer because i do a lot of influence ish i'm kind of an influencer um that's your little weekly re-explanation of the title for those of you who I don't I don't even know who that was for because I'm sure you guys all understand the title. Anyways, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I I feel like I haven't really like been able to actually like have this conversation with you guys. Um, I actually like listened to one of my episodes or at least like a few portions of it in preparation for this episode to see how much I had actually talked about um, social media. And that was my like how to not water yourself down episode because I talked a little bit about it in that because social media is probably the number one avenue that I have in which I feel like I'm too much. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about what led me to feeling that way and how I've um, begin the journey to overcoming it because a lot of the things I'm talking about today, um, as I've mentioned throughout all of my podcasts, they're all a work in progress, you know, like I haven't mastered any of these things and I don't want to come on here and try to sound like an expert because I am very, 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 very far from that. But anyways, before we get into the episode, like always, let's chat, let's catch up, let's talk about how life has been going, all the things that have happened in between the last time we were able to hang out. Um, so let's see. So last Wednesday, so on last Friday, I had, oh wait, no, I talked to you guys about my, um, internship interview. I told you guys I was going to be having an interview. So I had that on Thursday. Um, and I kind of woke up, like I woke up with enough time. I gave myself enough time to get ready and everything. And then like, 10 minutes before I was supposed to leave for my interview, I was, like, re-looking over, like, um, some of my, like, requirements for the interview, um, based on, like, what my school, like, what my school had said through the gate course, and so I basically have, like, a, um, professor who's, like, helping me, like, establish this internship, and so we had, like, some forms that were, like, this is, this, this is what, like, a good interview looks like, and kind of outlined that, and it said that we should bring our resume printed out, and the really awesome thing about that is that I don't 
have a printer in my apartment or I think maybe Liz has a printer, but I don't know how to work it because I never have to print things out. I turn in literally every single thing, every single assignment digitally, like I submit it online. And so I was like, okay, this is wonderful. Um, I can't print that out because I just saw that. Um, Entirely my fault, unprepared, hadn't looked through the requirements for that. Um, So I was like, okay, dang it, that really, that stinks, that blows. Um, and then I also was like, do I dress business casual? And I had like plans for like later in the day. So I was like, uh, like maybe I can dress business casual and then like bring a change of clothes. I just like hate wearing like a blazer. Actually, I don't even own a blazer. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't like wearing like a colored shirt or like a button down or like nice pants all day. That's just really not my jam. And I know that I'm probably going to have to like build a bridge and get over that like ASAP Rocky, but up until this point, that hasn't been required of me. But I know when I become a big girl and like get a big girl job, that's going to be required of me. But until then, I will wear my sequin pants and my neon and my colorful makeup and do that until literally the very last day before I'm required to start dressing like an adult, Um, which I hope that day never comes. I hope by the grace of God that someday I am employed by a company in which I can dress awesome and cool, um, but the likelihood of that is probably going to be low. Um, anyways, so I was like, okay, like, do I dress business casual? I kind of had like a little freak out moment because I was like, not only is the outfit that I planned out not business casual, but I also can't print out my resume. So I texted my friend and I was like, did you have to print out your resume? But she wasn't responding. So I was like, well, If worse comes worse, I can just email the, like, field instructor. And I had remembered that my friend told me that it really wasn't a super formal interview, at least at this specific agency. Um, So then I just was like, okay, you know what? Let's just see what happens. So then I left, um, and I went to my interview, and it was so easy. I don't know why. I was so scared. Um, But actually, one of my friends who just finished, like, she had the internship that I'm going to be filling her place. She's like in a lot of my classes with me. She was able to actually sit in on my interview. So that was awesome. So I was a lot less nervous, but it went really well. And I got, it's kind of a formality, but I got offered the interview. I mean, got offered the um, internship, which is very exciting. Um, And then on Friday night, I had a charcuterie night with my girlfriends and it was just a wonderful time. We laughed, we danced, we sang Hamilton, we sang The Greatest Showman, which is the mark of any good night, as we all know. Um, And then on this weekend, I worked all weekend. I was actually able to go to a bridal expose at my university, Um, our like facts department had their very first like bridal expose. And what that is, is like in this event space that we have on the campus of my university there was a lot of like vendors so whether it's like food vendors like that do like catering or like floral like florists or like different like bridal shops like all came and had little booths and because I work at a bridal shop um, I worked at a booth with my boss it was um, kind of boring but it was cool getting to see all the other vendors and like seeing what the community offers um, in the particular field of my job um but that was fun and then um another thing this is kind of cool I I told this story to my friend today and then I was like oh I should I should talk about that on the podcast because I've been sharing with you guys just kind of how like my classes have been more difficult this year um and for those of you who I I mean I kind of already mentioned this but I'm a social work major um and 
I'm in this macro level social work class and basically what macro is, and I, excuse me if I've already explained this before on the podcast, I'm pretty sure I have, um, but macro is just like, um, kind of like running a social service agency and like all the moving parts like way out like from a bigger standpoint rather than just like working individually with a client so it's like the people that run the social service agencies and so like there are people that are in social work and they want to like run a nonprofit, you know like something like that um so it's like a lot of like organizational like business type work Um, and that's like way out of my comfort zone like that's not something that comes naturally to me and also I'm taking this class um, kind of ahead of the lot of a lot of the other people that are like kind of in my like track that I'm on to graduating next spring Um, and so a lot of the people in the class are already doing their like senior internships while I'm interviewing for my junior internship so that being said The class kind of stresses me out because I feel underqualified for it, regardless of if I really am underqualified for it. That's just how I feel. Um, And I feel like that's a theme in my life. Like a lot of the times I'll be like, I'm so unqualified. And then the Lord is just like, don't you know that you don't have to be qualified in order for me to qualify you? Like, let me be your qualifier. Anyways, but... So I'm in this macro level social work class um, and it's a three hour lecture class. And again, I've talked about this before, but just this is just a little recap for the sake of the context of this story. But a lot of social work classes, a lot of the time spent in class, we do like role plays. And basically what that looks like is we act out a scenario with our professor or like people come in and they pretend to be either a client or like somebody that you're working with, like a coworker or your boss. And it's kind of to test to see like, how you interact in these like hypothetical situations so the hypothetical situation that we were given um for my group i was split into a group of four people was that um we had somebody we were the supervisor and our professor was playing the role of like one of our um social workers who was not doing their documentation but like was worked really well with clients but didn't do their documentation so it's kind of like an unorganized employee of yours and how you would have that confrontational conversation with them um and so i was sitting with my teammates and i was like does anybody have a burning desire to be the spokesperson because like we were all kind of doing it together but there was one person that was kind of acting as a spokesperson and they could phone a friend um and have the other group members help them if they needed but i was like y'all y'all got a burning desire to do it because I don't and they were like my friend was like I think you should do it and I was like oh that's crazy I I don't feel that way and she was like no I think you should do it because you never want to do it and I was like okay awesome this is going to be a train wreck um and then I ended up doing it and I was really nervous but then when it was over I ended up like having one of my like people in my group help me but when it was over it was like overwhelming how like my professor who was like acting out the employee that wasn't doing her job correctly was like no Maddie like you you did well like you had great responses and like um like the class would give feedback and they were like Maddie you handled that really well and I like that you like did a strengths-based perspective and like you were telling her all of the ways that she's a valuable employee before you were going into the confrontation and you were firm but you were also empathetic and loving and it was so affirming because I know so many times I just want to sit in the fact that I don't feel good enough And then I'll have a moment where like I'm maybe I'm even like forced to like confront a situation in which I'm insecure. Like for example, like for this example, but it was just really affirming to hear that I did better than I thought that I would. Um, And it wasn't like a graded assignment or anything, but I just get so nervous in this class because I already feel so like a fish out of water just because it's not my forte. 
but that was awesome. So yeah, that was in my macro social level, macro level social work class on Monday. Um, and then I finished November 9th, which I would say is probably the best Colleen Hoover book I've read so far. Um, and like I've mentioned with Colleen Hoover books, obviously they have a lot of this one, this one wasn't as bad. I don't think like it wasn't as descriptive or like, I mean, it definitely had like scenes that weren't PG, but it wasn't as bad as the other ones. And I just like thought the plot was really good and exciting and I couldn't like, I couldn't put it down. I would get excited to read it. And that's how I felt with, um, it ends with us. So those are probably my two favorite ones so far. And then I started a, um, a good girl's guide to murder, which my roommate Maddie, um, loved and, Um, she was like, you should read this one next. And then I posted about it on my Instagram. I've been posting a lot of like the books that I'm reading on my books highlight on my Instagram. So if you guys want to see what I'm reading, um, aside from just me talking about it on the podcast, follow my Instagram, but posted it on my Instagram story. And I got so many responses that were like, oh my gosh, like that's my favorite book that I've read this year. Like it's so good. Like I cried, like it was amazing. And so I'm very hype to continue reading that book. Um, but I'm just, I mean, I'm barely into the beginning of it at this point. But yeah, that's that's kind of my life update. Not not many like crazy things going on, but I'm trying to be more appreciative of life as it's happening, you know, and I felt I've definitely learned that through like coming back to school after working in Hawaii this past summer. It's like life can still be beautiful and exciting and fun, like regardless of where you're at, regardless of anything like actually crazy is happening and so I I felt more excited to be alive lately and that's something that I feel like I should celebrate and share with you guys um so we can celebrate together and I hope that you also feel that way and like are able to embrace the mundane um but let's get into the topic I want this episode to be partially tips and information for anyone who wants to get into social media so I'll be talking about working with brands starting a media kit monetizing your content creating multiple streams of revenue But I also want to share with you guys the story of my social media journey and my advice for anyone getting into social media through sharing my social media journey. And I want you to see the pits that I've fallen into so you avoid falling into them and getting stuck in them like I have sometimes. And I also want to share that like me talking about social media, it's a lot deeper than just social media. This is a story of finding affirmation in the wrong places. So I want to share that before we get into the episode. Um, in case this is maybe a topic that you don't necessarily relate to, but I think we all can relate um, in putting our confidence in the wrong things, whether that's school, whether that is social media, whether that's um, just the approval of others, friendships, whatever it looks like for you, like boys, relationships, whatever that looks like for you, I know that we all do struggle with it. Um, But yeah, so in order to best share what I have learned about social media and how I have grown, Um, To take it less seriously, I'm going to start from the very beginning. So, believe it or not, (laughs) um, I asked for Instagram for Christmas when I was in eighth grade. Like, I literally remember, um, I I think I might have even made a PowerPoint or something. Like, I've totally been that person who, like, makes a PowerPoint. Like, I see, like, TikToks all the time of people, like, making a PowerPoint to convince my mom to whatever, like, various things. Like, convince my parents to let me move out or I don't I literally don't know there's various little like silly things on TikTok like that um but I made a PowerPoint to ask my mom to let me have an Instagram um because I was very very um I was very insecure at this point in my life I think every eighth grader in the world is insecure 
um <laughs> like or maybe that's not true maybe I'm, I'm being a little silly when I say that but um it's very hard to be secure when you don't know who you are um or whose you are for that matter more importantly um but I really really wanted to be relevant and every single person it felt like in the world but me had a social media presence and so I literally remember like being like okay mom my Instagram could be like my Christmas gift like that's your gift to me to let me start an Instagram but I literally remember the day that I downloaded Instagram. Um, I also downloaded Facetune. Um, and for those of you who don't know, and if you don't know, I'm proud of you. Um, and I think that's awesome because I literally have fallen prey to this for several years. But I downloaded Facetune and that's kind of like a editing app where you can like literally become a different person um, and smooth out your face take away your acne, whiten your teeth. You can literally change the shape of things. Like, it's crazy. Um, but I downloaded Facetune the day I downloaded Instagram because I was in eighth grade and because it was probably the most insecure ever. Um, and I would literally edit my face so much that it was not recognizable, which is so weird and unnecessary. And looking back, that, like, breaks my heart because, like, I can't believe that, like, little Maddie, like, was so focused like right away like as soon as she got a platform in which to um post like she was like okay now that people can see me or more people can see me in a more permanent way like on a screen um I'm gonna do whatever I can to change that and whatever I can in my eyes to better that um and it was so unnecessary because I was literally 14 years old with braces and probably the best skin I have ever had and probably will ever have like now <laughs> that was before my acne started, um, but for some reason, as soon as I got a social media presence, I felt the need to change myself and mold myself, and it's crazy how, like, that pattern started so fast, like, it started the day that I had the opportunity for it to start, it's just crazy, and it's sad, um, and for those of you who remember this, this was in um, the stage of white borders, do y'all remember that, when people, I, I don't know, if y'all remember that, but people would post like every single photo they had on Instagram, there would be like an app that they would have to do like a white border on the sides or maybe even like the whole photo. But like if you were really cool, you had like white borders on the sides of all of your photos. Please tell me that somebody remembers this. I'm like, I probably sound crazy if you don't know what I'm talking about, but um, everybody had those. But I don't think I ever posted a photo without editing my face and whitening my teeth and smoothing my forehead um, up until college, literally up until college um like no lie like I'm I'm not I'm not even exaggerating there's no dramatic effect here like this is really just the way that it was because I saw my face and my presence and my overall existence as something that needed editing um and it started this kind of um it, st it started this domino effect of like how much can I change myself to make people like me like how much can I act cool so that people will like me um but Instagram made me feel like I was in the loop um it made me feel relevant and for someone who literally had a good day if a boy complimented her like that was the mark of a good day if a boy complimented me um affirmation was essential to my well-being um but I want to say something about affirmation if affirmation is your fuel and you run out of affirmation, you're stranded. So let's say like I'm in a car and like the only thing that I can fuel it are compliments and I don't receive a compliment that day, I'm stranded. I'm stuck, I can't go anywhere. Affirmation is one of the least reliable things in the world because nowhere, nowhere 
it, the Bible is my source of truth. So if I look in the Bible, nowhere does it say that everyone's going to like me. More so, like on the contrary, it says like people will hate you. People will despise you because of your faith. And so if I know that I, if I'm following Jesus, that like I'm guaranteed that there are going to be people that don't like me and affirmation is what's keeping me going, then I'm going to be stranded. Like I'm going to be stuck. I can't go anywhere. Um, people are not guaranteed to like us or praise us or cheer us on. And if we put our happiness in the hands of people, they will drop it every time. I say that over and over again in so many of my podcast episodes because I don't know where I heard that from. Maybe it's just like a very common phrase, but I try to repeat it to myself over and over again until I believe it because I don't think there has ever been a day where I don't seek validation from others and I'm sitting here preaching about it, but I still I still struggle with it. And I'll say that over and over again, like these things that I'm going to be talking about in my eighth grade self, like I've grown into my 21 year old self. I'm, I'm not my eighth grade self anymore, but there's definitely still a deep desire in my heart to be liked. And I think every single one of us can relate to this, um, but that doesn't mean you can't grow and progress. And that doesn't mean that Um, Jesus isn't still holding you and Jesus can't become your confidence because at this point in my life, I would say that I'm on the way towards Jesus continuing to become more and more of my confidence. Um, But yeah, if you put your happiness in the hands of people, they're going to drop it every time. Um, But I definitely grew more into myself um, as I got older, as one does. Um, And so when I created this Instagram, um, very insecure, I still have an Instagram and I'm still insecure, Um, but there's definitely been growth and I grew more into myself towards the end of high school Um, and so much so that I actually started a YouTube channel and I'm going to chat about this with you guys for a while because I think this was a big turning point in my life regardless of if whether it was conscious at that time. I think a lot of this was subconscious, but I'd always loved watching YouTube and my film teacher, for those of you, I explained this in a podcast episode recently, but I was on like a film production team. Um, and you had to audition to be on it, and we basically did skits um, in the morning announcements, and they played in homeroom, but it was a big deal if you were on it, and I was on it, and I loved it, and I, this is where I started like loving editing and acting and being in front of a camera and being behind a camera and being behind a computer editing, so this is really where it was all born for me, but um, my film teacher actually like overheard me if I'm remembering this correctly, he overheard me talking to somebody like, oh my gosh, like, it would be so cool to, like, start my own YouTube channel, and, like, he was like, like, why, why don't you do it? He was like, like, what's, what, literally, what's stopping you? Um, and so he encouraged me, um, and he was like, there's, I don't understand what's stopping you. Like, if you say you want to do it so bad, just do it. Um, it really wasn't, like, that pro, like, it was a profound comment, but, like, it wasn't a deep conversation, like it was a fleeting comment. I don't even know if he knows how meaningful that that comment still is to me, like as I'm still doing social media. Um, but it really was so profound and it was so encouraging to me in that moment. And that's really all that I really needed to start it. So um, I didn't think too deeply about what it meant for me when I started my YouTube channel. And honestly, I think that's a good thing that I didn't think about it so much to where I got scared and got nervous and didn't do it. Um, But I took the encouragement from my teacher and I didn't ask anyone for permission to start it. I didn't ask my friends like, oh, should I do this? Like, will it be weird? Will people make fun of me? Um, And I also didn't ask for advice. Like, I didn't ask anyone around me. I told my parents, I was like, hey, just letting y'all know, like, I'm starting a YouTube channel. And they were like, oh my gosh, so cool. But that was pretty much the extent of it. And, and it wasn't that, that it was like a secret or anything, but 
I just started it without really asking for feedback. Um, but I just set up my phone. I remember I like started editing or filming YouTube videos on my phone. Now I have a Canon G7X, thank God, and it's awesome. But I started it on my phone. Um, I downloaded iMovie because I had literally deleted it for storage reasons. Um, so I re-downloaded that and I made a video. Popped it into iMovie, edited it, figured out how to post it on YouTube and posted it. I didn't have any channel art. I didn't have anything. I my, I just put my name in. I like realized that I already had a YouTube account because if you have a Gmail account, you have a YouTube account and just made a video. And the video was about like, at this point in my life, it was right before my senior year of high school. Um, I had been living in the, I had this awesome opportunity in high school to work in the Dominican Republic at a school. Um, so I'd gotten back from the Dominican Republic and I was like talking about that internship that I had um, in the video. And that's literally all that it was. I don't think that I made a single edit in the video. I literally think it was one long recording because I, I don't think, honestly, I downloaded iMovie, but I don't even think I utilized it. Like you guys can go back and look at this. It's literally still on my channel, but um, it's just, I, I didn't really do much about it. And I didn't really think about it when I posted it. Um, but I don't know if it was my recklessness or subconscious like under the surface wisdom um, that allowed me to just post the YouTube video I definitely was not done caring what people thought about me like it's not that I was so confident that I posted it um, but I don't think I even really considered that obviously people would see it I think I just thought if these people that I enjoy watching on YouTube can do this why can't I and so it was just kind of this like why not me you know, like it, it really wasn't deeper than that out. And I would love to say that I was at this point so confident in myself and I felt so secure and like that girl who cared about what people thought about her was long gone, but that's just not the truth. I really just don't think I thought through my actions and I'm so glad that I didn't because I don't think I would be here sitting here with a podcast now in college, about to graduate college. It's so cool how like this started so long ago, but it's still... A theme in my life I posted a YouTube video a few hours ago like it's just crazy but um, I allowed myself to start something knowing that I could very well fail but I cared more in that moment about self-expression and just being like why not me like why can't I do it um, then about feedback and that feedback could include cheers or booze like I, I wasn't really thinking like there will be any response to this because I just want to post it because I want to post it because it's what I want to put out into the universe I wasn't thinking that anybody would see this like I don't know I just didn't really think it through that much um and it's weird looking back in that moment and realizing um that the answer was literally right in front of me I made a decision entirely for myself in my creativity in my sheer excitement um but then the moment passed and the truth was buried within my self-conscious conscience again. Um, I just posted it and didn't really think about it. But that started to change um, when I saw responses to my videos. Um, I kept making videos. I stayed consistent with it. I, I honestly can say like I've been consistent up until about this summer when I was working in Hawaii. But like since the summer before my 
senior year of high school, I've uploaded every Sunday. So at least once a week, if not twice a week. Sometimes I'll upload on Wednesdays as well if I have a lot of time on my hands. But up until this summer in Hawaii, I kind of broke my consistency because I really, I didn't have any of my electronics available to me. Um, But up until then, I've, I've literally posted every Sunday since I was a junior in high school, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, I kept making videos and continued to post every Sunday. Um, and just because I continued to post, that also doesn't mean that I wasn't absolutely destroyed when the initial positive feedback started to fade and people realized I wasn't going to stop posting. So fake kindness and fake cheers turned into real meanness and real booze. Um, and I literally remember a boy put my YouTube video on the projector in homeroom, during homeroom, and it was in a homeroom that I wasn't in. So I wasn't even able to feel like, I honestly think that's worse than if I was there. Because I think if I was there, I could have like pretend to laugh it off. But the fact that I wasn't there was like double hurtful. Um, but I remember that was like the first time that I was like, oh, like people perceive me. You know, like this isn't just me seeing this and that that like hurt because I was like dang like I didn't think that like being creative and being expressive meant that like I wasn't fitting the mold of what the cool people were doing and like the cool girls at my high school were the quiet girls and I think about that and the reason that I wasn't necessarily cool was because I was very loud I have been and I will continue to be, that's just who I've been creative to be, is I'm expressive and I'm emotional and I'm, I have a big personality. And when I started my YouTube channel, um, up until that point, I had been like, okay, cool. So I'm in high school now. And that means that in order for the boys to like me, I have to be quiet and I have to be chill and I have to be mysterious. And I have to, I don't, I have to do all these things, but mostly be quiet and just laugh at their stupid jokes, even if they're not funny. But so that they think that I think that they're funny um, so I can boost their ego so that they'll like me. And so that was kind of what I was like subscribing to at that point. And then when I made a YouTube channel, it was like, oh, like Maddie is not doing what other, what, what the rest of us are doing. So therefore that means what she's doing is wrong. That was how I was perceived anyways. Um, obviously that's not the truth because I was really doing something that made me happy but to everyone around me it was offensive that I wasn't fitting the mold and if you guys are doing anything in your lives that aren't fitting the mold you might experience a similar outcome where people initially are like okay that's awesome but then when you continue to do it they're like uh no no I don't think that's gonna work for me um but yeah so I remember they put that that boy put that on the projector and I was like, oh, like, this is how it's going to be, like, cool. Um, but, yeah, so, and then I remember another time when people would send me, like, or, like, a consistent basis of people sending me screenshots of text threads between various friend groups that I was not in because I was not a part of, like, the cool group um, discussing how I was too weird and too loud and too much. And I think that's where my too muchness um, insecurity originated probably around the YouTube like beginning YouTube era because that was just something that I kept hearing over and over again um, and then I remember seeing screenshots of the football team sending my videos to each other like in the football team's group message so it felt like suffocating like like over and over again screaming in my face like you are not supposed to be doing this um, and the thing about a lot of this 
backlash that I experienced was it was behind my back. So that also, I really think that that made it worse because it was like people would be like, oh my gosh, like let me be in your video. Like I want to be in your video. And my videos were getting like a hundred views. Like it wasn't getting like a whole bunch of views, but um, it was just this like fake niceness. And then I would see that like, actually I was a topic of conversation as soon as I stood up from the table, if that makes sense. Um, but I literally remember crying while editing my videos. Like I would be sitting there editing my videos to go up, still doing what I was passionate about. So I look back on this and I'm like, okay, that was a victory. But I remember editing my videos and crying, like tears would be streaming down my face. Um, because what made me happy made others uncomfortable, made others mad, made others annoyed, fill in the blank. My joy was someone else's joke. My excitement was someone else's scoff. Um, but then the turning point is when I started, or another turning point is when I started to get reached out to by brands and my consistency started to pay off. So the first brand that ever reached out to me was a poster brand. And I remember freaking out. It's called Mapiful. Um, I still have my, like the product at home and it, it's so sweet to me, but I remember freaking out, but Mapiful reached out to me and they said they wanted me to mention them on my YouTube channel. And I had like maybe, uh, I don't even remember how many subscribers I had at this point. Like maybe like, uh, I want to say like four or 5,000. Um, so it was growing at a slow pace and my consistency, I always say like consistency rarely ever does not pay off unless it's just not supposed to happen. If you're putting in the hard work and people can tell that you're putting in the hard work, like for the most part, it will pay off if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and if you're working according to your calling. And I really did feel like I was working in my element, like I was doing something that I did feel like I was gifted in, even if I wasn't being cheered on, I was being booed by those around me. But I remember Mapleful reached out to me and they sent me a poster of Charlotte and I posted about it on my YouTube channel and I was geeked about it. Um, and this was also around the time that I was growing in my independence. And I've talked about this on my how to be alone um, episode, but I was growing in my independence around this time. Um, and I remember the moment that I started to see past my high school bubble and high school problems and high school tears. Um, and this is a very specific moment following my first um like brand deal on YouTube was when I got a DM from Princess Polly on Instagram. And at this point, I would say I probably had like 2000 Instagram followers and Princess Polly DM'd me, which was so random, but they DM'd me and they said they wanted to work with me um, on Instagram. And I literally thought it was a prank. Like I was like, what is going on? Like I just got a DM from, a, I was already following them because I shopped there. Um, but I got a DM from Princess Polly and they were like, we'd love to work with you on Instagram. So it was so weird to me. I was like, wait, I have like 2000 followers on Instagram. I have 5000 subscribers on YouTube. Why do they want to work with me on Instagram? And now I think the answer is because I had like good engagement, which basically means like my likes to followers ratio. Like a lot of my followers were engaging with my posts and commenting on my posts and um, liking my posts. So like I had what I, what did I say? Like 2000 Instagram followers. And I would probably get like around like 900, like to a thousand likes on my photos, which is a pretty high engagement of almost like half of your followers liking your photos. Um, and brands look for people 
that have a high engagement. So it really doesn't matter. And as I grow more into this space and as I gain more knowledge and as I observe more, I see a lot of very small content creators, especially on Instagram, getting reached out to by big brands based purely on the content they're creating and their engagement. It doesn't really matter how many followers you have as long as your followers like interact with your posts and as long as like what you're creating and posting is creative and like people seem to like it like it really doesn't matter how many followers you have so for those of you who would love to work with brands don't be discouraged if you don't have a lot of followers that that happened to me and it was so out of the blue and I remember being like why don't they want to work with me on YouTube like I have more viewers on there so then I yeah that was a really surreal moment because I was like I almost felt like avenged I was like oh my gosh, like all of these people at school. And this was right before, um, or wait, no, it was right after my high school graduation that this happened to me. And I was like, they'll see, like, oh, like I'll be laughing in their faces. Like, I was just like, <laughs> it felt almost like, wow, like I'm winning. Like take that L people from my high school. Um, but I think a part of the reason that I became so independent was honestly that I felt so misunderstood. Um, I became a little spiteful, a little bitter. Um, Like this brand had reached out to me and I had started like spending more time alone um, and editing my videos and coffee shops and just enjoying my own company, honestly, because I didn't feel like anybody really understood me. Um, And I felt like, okay, I'm going to college, forget this. And I had friends in high school. I feel like I'm, it sounds like I am saying that I didn't have friends in high school. I did have friends in high school. And I'm really blessed in that way. Um, but I remember, yeah, so I, I became spiteful. I became bitter, like, after they reached, like, this big brand reached out to me. Because I was like, ugh, like, everyone, nobody understood me. Like, look at me now. Like, my insecurity, like, instill in the fact my insecurity wasn't healed. My insecurity hid itself behind the mask of pride. So as my followers grew slowly but surely, my ego inflated. And I felt like maybe one day I could prove people wrong. And this was like my first little like taste of like success or what I saw as success. It was like a small scale success. They literally, they didn't send me a whole lot of things, but it was just the fact that they reached out to me um, was crazy to me. And I still, I mean, I still think it's crazy. And I, I take every single brand partnership as a blessing. Um, but in my heart, like I was filled with pride and my ego inflated. And if your ego is inflating, it doesn't mean you're confident. It just means that you're prideful. I'm filling myself more of myself because I don't feel like I am enough. So I'm just going to pretend like I'm enough um, because the people around me have treated me like I'm not enough. Um, but I felt like one day I can maybe prove people wrong and feel satisfied in that. But what I want to say about pride is pride is almost always insecurity behind a mask, like I said. I was still the same insecure person, but just with new sponsorships and opportunities that I had worked hard to achieve. Um, But it didn't mean that I was completely satisfied. It didn't mean that I had solved the problem of the insecure girl who got made fun of in high school. Like, it didn't mean that I stopped doing things for other people and for, like, the likes and the comments. And, like, when you start to see a glimpse of success, it's almost like it makes it more addicting. Like, you're like, oh my gosh, I have to keep going. Obviously, I'm doing something right. And then you start to realize like there is a business side of it, you know? And so like I kind of got like obsessed with like what can I do so that I can continue to work with brands? And there's nothing wrong with that. Like it literally is like a part of like I I still do social media. I still work with brands. But I think at that point in my life, like that was 
my source of my confidence because I had felt so insecure prior to that. So I just took that on and I was like, it was, it was a part of my bitterness um, towards other people. But moving on, I, I, like I said, I graduated from high school. Um, I continued working with brands um, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Liberty and I've talked about this a little bit. I'm going to go to Liberty. Everything is going to be so much better. It's a Christian university. Um, which means that everybody's going to be so nice and I'm going to finally have a space where I can freely do social media. That is what was going through my head. I was like, okay, like things are starting to pick up. Um, I'm gaining followers. I'm gaining subscribers. I'm posting content about college. And like, I had this one video blow up, not, I mean, not blow up, but it had like several hundred, I think like, honestly, I think it has like 300,000 views, but it was this video and I have a few videos that like got more views. And I started realizing like what videos got the most views. Um, And for me at this point in my life, as I was about to move into college, it was like college related videos, like shopping for my dorm, moving into my dorm, dorm tour, like once I finally got there. And then I started seeing myself and catching myself posting things based on how many views they would get. And it is similar. Like it's just, it's crazy how something that makes you so happy can turn into another vehicle for the approval of others. You know, like it started out, like I said, like there was that subconscious wisdom underneath that was like, I'm going to do this for myself. And then when I started to see the responses, that's when it became so sad because I was like, oh, nobody likes it. I'm going to keep doing it because I like it, but nobody likes it. Woe is me. And then I started seeing what got successful. So I started doing that more. And it's like, it doesn't matter how happy something makes you. As soon as you start doing it for other people, it will stop making you happy. As soon as you stop doing it for yourself and ultimately, in my case, for the glory of the creator, as soon as I stopped like seeing this as just like a gift that the Lord has given me and like my passions turning into um, something that like I can actually like put out into the universe and explore and be creative. As soon as I stopped letting it be that, it became less fun. And so I would literally post videos. A lot of my videos became about Liberty University, the college that I attend, because those were the videos that were getting the most views and then it became less fun. And so I would get a, I would get a paycheck, um, in the mail. And at this point, so basically let me explain this. So how YouTube works, um, I, this might not still be the case, but it was when I got monetized for my channel, but basically how it works, um, is I basically, you have to get 40,000 hours of watch time as well as 1,000 subscribers in order to apply for monetization. And what monetization means is that you get paid for your YouTube videos. Um, And so I signed up for this thing called Google AdSense. And Google AdSense is basically, it's connected to YouTube, um, but you can connect it to your bank account and you can get paid based on your views um, for your videos. And so... And how that works is like, basically, it's not like per view, but it's like the more views that you get, this is how I explain it to people, the more views that you get, the more people that are seeing ads on your videos. So like when you apply to like to have Google AdSense um, after you apply on YouTube for monetization, um, you can have like Google AdSense will pay advertisers to put ads on your videos so let's say that i have a youtube video like i said my college videos were doing really well getting hundreds of thousands of views um and so that's hundreds of thousands of people getting an ad on my page the advertisers pay google adsense and google adsense pays me is from what my limited understanding of this is 
Um, but so that's how it works. But I applied for that. I got accepted into that. Um, and so I started getting paid for my YouTube videos. So when the money started rolling in, then I started just doing stuff for that. Um, and I remember I was getting like big paychecks that summer before, um, college and like my paychecks come in on the, like on the months. And so like I started literally just posting videos that I knew would get a lot of views and honestly all throughout my freshman year and then like going into COVID, like I was just really focused, like, okay, this video does well. Um, this is what like Liberty, there was a time when Liberty was in the news for something. And so like I posted a video about that and it was just like, I was trying so hard to have my videos blow up and then it just became so much less about a creative expression and so much more about like this is what people will like you know like this is what will make me money but um that wasn't without its like problems um because also when I was striving so hard on YouTube um it turns out that just because you go to a Christian university um doesn't mean that there are people that aren't like mean you're gonna find mean people everywhere unfortunately but like I said I explained this story so I'm not gonna like re-explain it but I had a situation where I posted a video um and then a group of guys made a video kind of a parody of my video not necessarily making fun of me as a person um but and I don't think it was super mean spirited I think it was just in a joking laughing manner um but I had a lot of people view those boys video and the video itself, like, my video was, it was called, um, What Liberty Girls Think About Liberty Guys. I mean, it was entirely a joke because I, it was a Q&A with a group of my new college friends. All of us sitting in my dorm answering questions that people had sent me. And so I was like, okay, this is a great, like, title. Like, my, literally my thought process was like, this title will get people to view the video. So, like, although it was a Liberty Q&A, I titled it because one of the questions was about, like, what are Liberty Guys like? And we were being so silly. Like, we were just like, oh my gosh, like, they're, like, Liberty, boys at Liberty are so cute. Like, it was so silly. Like, very, like, fun, silly, like, not very serious. And so the boys made a video, like, what are, what Liberty boys think about Liberty girls. Um, like, and it was, like, inspired by Maddie Blaine. That was the title. Um, and so it wasn't necessarily, like, I hate Maddie was the title. Like, it was, it was, in, like, it was, like, a parody of my video. So anyways... I had a lot of people watch their video and not watch my video, if that makes sense. And so there would be people that would see their video and be like, oh, I heard you were talking crap about Liberty Guys. And so this was my freshman year. I was so insecure. I didn't know who I was. I was already so caught up in looking for approval. I was like, okay, now I'm in college. Like everybody's going to like me. I'm going to be awesome. I'm going to create this new personality for me that's for myself that's so outgoing and cool and like I wasn't cool in high school I'm gonna be cool now um and then it was just it all just fell apart when that happened because I, I mean I don't I don't fault these boys to this because I don't think that they were preying on my downfall by any means like I think they were just trying to be funny but it really did cause a lot of people to view me as the YouTube girl or the girl who's who hates Liberty Guys. I don't even know how it got spun into that, but it got spun into that. Um, and so that sucked. And I hated that because I was like, I'm so much more than my YouTube channel. I'm so much more than this stupid video that I had a clickbait title for. Um, but I continued to upload. I created a TikTok account. Um, and then I got, like, I just literally was so annoying on TikTok when I first created it. Actually, I'm still annoying on TikTok. I don't need to say that I was so annoying. I'm still annoying. Um, but created a TikTok account, 
Um, and then recently this year, I've started to like put more effort into my TikToks. So I had one TikTok this year blow up, literally blow up. And so then I was like, oh my gosh, like that's crazy. Like it has like, I think it got like 3 million views, which is crazy. But I, um, at that point I was like, okay, I should figure out a way to monetize my TikTok because I'd figured out how to monetize my YouTube channel. And then so I applied to be in the TikTok creator fund. And that's, I honestly don't understand that one nearly as well as I understand Google AdSense. And I still don't really understand Google AdSense very well. But to my understanding, the TikTok creator fund literally just pays creators for making TikToks based on the views. Um, since there are no like ads on my TikToks, I don't necessarily entirely understand how that works. But so I got accepted into the creator fund. Um, and so then I started getting paid for my TikToks. And so my tip for people that are, I'm just going to try to sprinkle tips throughout this, but my tip for people who want to um, take their social media more seriously, specifically TikTok, apply for the TikTok Creator Fund. Actually, I have heard some things about like your videos not getting as many views if you don't, if you apply for that. So I don't really know necessarily like what those, what those details are, but um, yeah, so I applied for it and I do continue to get paid monthly for TikTok. I get a check every single month as well as YouTube still to this day. Um, and so my tip for that is for social media, if you're starting out on social media, I encourage you to start now that TikTok is like the most popular, um, social media at, at the moment. And it has been for a while now create multiple social media platforms. Don't just have one. If you have an Instagram, make a TikTok. If you have a YouTube, you should definitely have an Instagram. Create multiple platforms in which people can follow you because a lot of the times people, I have my Instagram in my TikTok bio as well as my YouTube. So if you follow me on TikTok, chances are you might click on my Instagram. So when that one TikTok blew up, a lot of people followed me on Instagram. I gained 3000 followers in like two days on Instagram from my one TikTok that blew up. So definitely create multiple like social media platforms. And then if you do get to the point of like, okay, I met the qualifications to monetize my social media platforms, create like apply for monetization so that you have multiple streams of revenue. So let's say I don't, I, I've been like not doing well about uploading YouTube videos lately, but let's say that I have for like, for example, me recently, haven't been posting super consistently on YouTube. That means I probably won't get a pretty big check from YouTube. Like my only views are probably gonna be from my older videos that still are getting views. Um, but I do know that if I'm not active on YouTube, I might still be active on TikTok. So I'll get that check from TikTok regardless of if I get that check from YouTube. So it is very important to have multiple different social media platforms if you want to do social media and take it seriously. Um, and also, if you get to the point of monetization, apply for monetization so you can have multiple different streams of revenue so that if one month and like my at this point in my life, my social media is my side hustle. So I do take this somewhat seriously. Um, but yeah, just just a little tip for anybody who wanted to hear that. Um, but yeah, so my roommate actually recently helped me create a rate card and Imgidia kit. And basically what those are, I can actually pull it up on my laptop right now as I'm recording this so that you guys like so that I can read off of it. So um, I am accurate with my um, description. So disregard my clicking for my laptop. But so I have a rate card um, and it basically says the prices for all of my social media posts. 
So I went on my Instagram and on my YouTube and on my TikTok and I looked at my analytics. And your analytics is a magical place where you can find all of the percentages of the genders of the people that view your posts, your most liked posts, um, what type of content does the best. Like there's, it's crazy how much stuff you can find out in your analytics. And I needed to look there in order to create my rate card. And um, so that was really helpful. But I was able to find out a lot of my information, a lot of my um, percentages and stuff so that I could price my content fairly. But now when I work with brands, I just send them over my rate card. So it's not at this point in my life, I feel like I make valuable enough content on social media in order to charge people. So like sometimes people will just send you like a free product. Um, and if I genuinely love the brand and want to work with them, like I'm completely fine with just getting a free product and posting about them. But there will be brands that like are like, oh, send me your rate card. Like that's a very common thing to ask um, as a brand. And so now I have that to send to brands. And then I also have my media kit. Let me pull that up for you guys. Um, okay, so I can read it to you guys actually. So it lists my brand partnerships, which at the time that I created this, my roommate like or my roommate created this. I wrote down Drunk Elephant, Princess Polly, Dolls Kill, Curology, Fab Fit Fun, Zaffle, Dossier, um, Cupshe, and Mapiful. So that's just a list of some of my like notable brand partnerships. And then my About Me section says, Hi, my name is Maddie and I'm a content creator from Charlotte, North Carolina, but I'm currently a college student living in Lynchburg, Virginia. I'm passionate about empowering people to be fully themselves through fashion and makeup, expressing themselves authentically on social media by not taking themselves too seriously and building confidence that is lasting. My goal with social media is capturing moments that reflect real life rather than the filtered and manufactured version of life seen in most social media. Most of the content I create is vlogs on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram Reels, as well as fashion and lifestyle content on Instagram. My podcast reflects these themes as well and aims to encourage vulnerability through reflections of my own life and the reality behind a social media screen. So that's just something that I just wrote up. And then I have my analytics from um, my TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and the podcast. So that's just like the number of followers, subscribers, or listeners, um, and then... Yeah, just kind of that information. But yeah, so those, that's my um, media kit and my rate card. Um, but so that's something that I've created like somewhat recently in the past few months. Um, but one thing that I want to share is that when you get paid every month on TikTok and YouTube, um, so much so to, that I said it's kind of become a side hustle, um, work with brands on a weekly basis and get PR every week, it can be a little tricky to separate yourself from your online presence. And I'm still trying my hardest to navigate this and I've made lots of mistakes, but I really do not regret asking for an Instagram for Christmas or making a YouTube channel one random day or making a TikTok one random day because it led me to this moment where I'm sitting in my bed right now, finally able to talk about these things and share with so many people on all of my social medias the way that Jesus has and continues to work it all out for his good. So next I want to read to you guys a passage that I really do believe relates to what I've been chatting with you guys about today. And that passage comes from Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And it says, um, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. 
And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and the and great was the fall of it. So essentially what this passage is describing is like when you put your foundation or when your foundation is unsteady, like when your foundation is the sand like things are going to fall away and it's going to fall down and you need to make sure that what you are building your life on is something that's solid, something that's trustworthy, something that's consistent. And social media will never be that. If my confidence comes from my social media presence and my Instagram and my YouTube and my TikTok and all of these things that are a part of my daily life and I do think that there is beauty that comes from this um, and it can be a great vessel for sharing the gospel but like if that is my source of confidence then I'm going to be left high and dry because I think about how in every single stage of my life, there's good in it, but there's also bad in it. It's not something that I can ultimately put my trust in. It's inconsistent. I don't get paid every single month for YouTube. I don't get sweet comments every single month for YouTube. There's a lot of the times or Instagram or TikTok, like all of the above, there will be times in my life where I get more booze than cheers. And if I place my foundation on this thing in my life, I'm going to be left disappointed time and time again because it's it does not have the same consistency that my father, Jesus, has. Um, he is really the only thing that in my life that will ever be consistent and trustworthy. Um, but yeah, so I've been on social media for several years now. So I've seen lots of trends cycle in and out. And one thing that I want to chat with you guys about is this new trend. And I have titled this new trend, and I quote, I'm going to pretend like I don't care, but I really do care, and all of my photos are unedited, but still staged to make it look like I live a perfect aesthetic life with a perfect aesthetic feed and perfect aesthetic friends. And I would say that I'm guilty of this, by far. I I totally am guilty of this, so I'm like poking fun at it, but it's because I also do it, and I recognize like the trend back in the day was the white borders and the filters and the facetune, and now the trend is how aesthetic can I be? while pretending to not be trying to be aesthetic. Um, and I think the first step for me, and I'm still making steps, so I want to clarify that my journey is far from over, um, but my first step um, to actually not take myself too seriously, because I really do believe this is another form of taking yourself too seriously, um, instead of pretending not to take myself too seriously, was deciding that my Instagram is not who I am. I can let it be a pretty place with pretty pictures that I post, but I can also let it be a silly place where I post silly things. For example, I posted the other day trampoline photos of my friends and I spelling out love with our bodies on the trampoline jumping into the air because the song from The Parent Trap that's like, L is for the way you look at me. (laughs) Um, O is for the only one I see. You guys don't want to hear me sing. I don't know why I'm singing, but... um. Yeah, so I can, like, both can coexist. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with caring about your Instagram or social media in general. But if you, like me, are exhausted and almost feel like your Instagram is not for you, I have felt like I've been able to retake the reins of my own profile. Like, it's my own profile. Why do I let other people dictate what I'm posting on my own profile? Um, But I felt like I've been able to retake the reins and regain control of my own profile by posting what I want, when I want, how I want, 
and not trying to make my life look any cooler than it really is because sometimes it's really not that cool. My social media platforms are for me. I'm saying that to myself, but I also want you guys to say it to yourselves. Um, I am my target audience. If that means I post an aesthetic beach picnic, which I did the other week, um, because it makes me happy, so be it. Um, if that means I post my my recent Pinterest po- quotes or my recent Pinterest pins, so be it. Um, it's not necessarily about the type of content I'm creating, more so that my content is back in my control for my own visual pleasure and excitement. And tying back to what I was talking about at the beginning, when I created my YouTube channel, I wasn't considering the fact that other people would see it. And I want to kind of re refocus my motivations to that and let my Instagram be a creative place where I post creative things and get excited about silly things and post whatever I want to whenever I want to um, because it's mine and I get to. Um, but yeah, I want to regain that excitement and regain that control and let it just be fun again because it used to be fun and it gets to be fun and I get to decide that it gets to be fun again. Um, but turning off the light count is one tactic um, for letting you not take it too seriously anymore because it really takes the like quantitative pressure away from like, oh, I have to like get this amount of likes Um, And I think a lot of us can relate to that. And I think a lot of us have already turned off our light counts, which is awesome. Um, But yeah, this, I mean, this was so, this episode was so top of mind because I hit 10,000 followers on Instagram last week. Um, And that was really cool and exciting, but not because I have 10,000 people looking at me in my awesome life anymore. It's exciting because um, like now it's really cool and exciting because I have 10,000 people getting to see me attribute my sometimes awesome life to my always awesome God. Um, And it's just really been a a priority shift, a perspective shift, a realizing how much more is in my control than I realize. And I get to let it be fun. I get to let um, the fact that the Lord had, I do view this as a blessing that I'm able to sit here and talk to you guys. You guys wouldn't be listening to me if you didn't follow me on any form of social media, I think. So I do count it as a blessing that I'm able to have this platform and I don't want that to get lost in translation that I I do think it's a blessing but I really do think that also at the same time both can exist that social media is dangerous and social media can be a thief of joy but only if you let it be um and for me I feel like lately at least it's been a source of joy more so but I also think that's because I've been spending less time on it I'm really setting those phone restrictions for social media and I highly recommend going into your settings and Um, putting phone restrictions because I really don't think my I'm supposed to be looking down on my phone and seeing what every single person but myself is doing at every single hour of the day I don't think that there's any way that that can be um, healthy in any way to see what everybody else is doing while I'm sitting in bed Um, and I want to start looking up more than looking down and enjoying my life but yeah that's my little rampage today I feel like I've just gone on a full rampage Um, But I hope there was some insight, if not some little tips and tricks gained from this episode. Um, But yeah, thank you guys for listening to me ramble. Um, I'm I'm just really so blessed to have people that listen to me. And like I said, that wouldn't that wouldn't be a truth without the presence of social media. So it really is a blessing at the same time. 
Um, but I love you guys. And make sure to follow me on all of my social medias. That feels ironic to say. Um, but I love you guys. And we will chat next week on next week's episode of Influence-ish. Bye.